Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello, passionate listeners. Thank you for joining me. If you don't already know me, my name is Louisa. I'm the host of Passion Harvest, and I speak with incredible light workers across the globe who have a passionate story to share. If you like this interview, please subscribe. Um, my guest today is Ananda Krishna. He is a Vedic monk and identifies as a Hari Krishna. I'm so excited about this episode. He offers training lectures and courses in the philosophy of the Vedas. Ananda was born in Austria. And today I'm speaking to him in Bavaria at the Bhakti Yoga Ashram and Farm. This is going to be a wonderful episode. And Ananda, I'm so very honored that you have connected to me. This was a quick organized interview while he's still in Germany before he travels off to India. Welcome, welcome to Passion Harvest. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on your show and giving me the opportunity to speak about Krishna consciousness. And um, I'm yeah, eager to hear your questions and uh, like to answer them. I'm eager to hear your answers. <laughs> Obviously, you're very about, uh, passionate about Krishna consciousness. I love that terminology. So for our uh, audience, if they don't already know, what, what is Krishna consciousness? What is the Hare Krishna some people call it religion, philosophy, if you wouldn't mind explaining what that is. Yeah, so this uh, is a very ancient philosophy and not just a philosophy of knowledge, it's also a lifestyle. If it would be only a philosophy or something we just think about, then it would be very uh, limited. It wouldn't be enough. Actually, any philosophy should be, um, it should be applied practical in life. And so the base of this ancient tradition are uh, ancient scriptures from India. So there are books of knowledge, which are were written down thousands of years ago. And out of this came also that what we call now this Hinduism and later on also Buddhism and many, many other uh, Indian and Asian traditions came actually out of this Vedic knowledge from the scriptures. And they were written um, 5,000 years ago. So to give us some um, background, so it's very, very old. Yes. Um, so, and these scriptures explain everything about life. And it's very interesting because nobody really knows where the scriptures are coming from. From a scientific point of view, that what the Vedic scriptures tell us where they're coming from is highly doubted because they cannot accept that from a scientific, purely scientific point of view. Because the Vedas explain that this knowledge is directly coming from a spiritual reality. So there's a spiritual reality, which would be the, the highest realm, the highest goal, which a human could achieve. But this spiritual reality um, is actually governed by a supreme entity. It's not an impersonal reality. So the supreme entity, um, which is called in other religions as God or Allah or like this, the supreme entity we call Krishna, Krishna. It's a Sanskrit word. Krishna means the all-attractive one. Because this entity is all-attractive because it has all the uh, wonderful qualities which make an entity, a person, a personality perfect. 
So this entity is a, the perfect person which wants to communicate to us humans in this world, in this actually uh, a world of ignorance, uh, spiritual knowledge. Because without this revelation, we, when we speculate, we can speculate a lot, but if we will find the right answers, it's highly doubtful, especially in this very complex and uh, yeah, very complex topics. So this supreme entity, Krishna, reveals this knowledge in form of the Vedic scriptures. Ah. These are Sanskrit texts, like Bhagavad Gita and the Puranas and Upanishads. And these were handed down from generation to generation. And, uh, so before it was revealed by the supreme entity, given to a very qualified person called Brahma. He's like the, the God of creation. It's very interesting that the creation itself is not done by the, by the supreme entity. The supreme entity empowers actually, and like a demigod, to create this whole universe. And to this entity, this knowledge was given, and from him on, given down to all the generations. And it's still existing nowadays, what we call India. Uh, um, and so it's still preserved. And this knowledge, um, of course, there are this, uh, the concepts of reincarnation and karma and the meditation and how a subtle body works and what is consciousness, what is the soul. But not just that, there is also knowledge in the scriptures about uh, the material side of life, like how we can have very nice societies, relationships, um, architecture, music, all the aesthetics are there. So the Veda itself, Veda means knowledge. So all kinds of knowledge are in these ancient scriptures and the masters of uh, bygone ages and also of modern know what this knowledge means and teach this. And so we are able to still appreciate and practice this and taste the fruit of this knowledge, which means to become Krishna conscious, become conscious of this supreme entity or God who is our, who is the highest goal and the highest uh, satisfaction in the end also. And, you know, I, I think that I really resonate with what you're saying, but it's also, you know, it, it is your life. It's a way, a complete holistic way of living. Yes, it's um, uh, my lifestyle and I'm living in a spiritual community here in uh, Germany, in Bavaria, where we apply this knowledge. And this is not the only community. The Hare Krishna movement is quite large. We have like 800 centers around the world. And um, it started in 1965 with Srila Prabhupada, who is the founder of the movement. He was very empowered actually by Krishna himself to be able to spread this around the whole world. He traveled 14 times around the world from 1965 to 1977 and founded this movement. And uh, now we continue this work and apply this knowledge and want to share this also with the world. That's wonderful. And I just wanted to ask about your farm because I know people can come and stay on the farm in Bavaria and work, whether it's maintenance or gardening, sort of different work and stay in return for service. Exactly. Yeah, we have, um, this farm was uh, founded in 1982. Uh, in 1982, it was bought before, but in uh, 1982, it was uh, opened. Uh, in the center of the farm is actually a temple. And in this temple, in the center of the temple itself, there is a, a so-called murti or deity of Krishna. Uh, from the scriptures, we know that we can worship, and this is especially for the Christian or also Muslim 
minded people or people have an understanding of religion in this way, a little bit difficult to understand, to worship God in a form, in a statue more or less. Mm -hmm. But in, in Vedic uh, understanding, this is a, a practice, so to say, a technique, how to get in touch with God. And this is not a statue, something lifeless. It's actually, it's of course matter, a form made out of stone, a form of Krishna, but it's um, empowered, so to say, or channeled, you could almost say channeled, Krishna's channeled through the mantras and through the ritual. So 1982, he was established. So it was a grand ceremony in which then Krishna, more or less, because of his mercy and because of his, um, because he resonates with us, he, he responds to us, um, so to say, uh, empowers this form. And so is residing in this form. So it's called deity worship. It's a very, very ancient practice, especially of Indo-European traditions. We know this from ancient Greece and uh, from Rome and in Egypt it was done. All the Indo-European traditions were practicing this. They did this. But then through the Christianization, this is the English word, when um, Christianity spread, I, I, I don't know, but I completely get it. I understand. <laughs> Yeah, so this was eradicated, especially in Europe, and then, of course, in America, it was never practiced. Um, so this is what we do. It's a very ancient uh, form of uh, service to, to Krishna. So in the center is this uh, murti, this wonderful form, which is uh, worshipped with all kinds of wonderful articles and flowers and incense and all this, and music and dance. So the spiritual practice is very lively, very aesthetic. So this is in the main building and then we have 14 hectare of land hectare is the europe you're yeah. from america right? uh oh, okay. australia oh you're from australia yeah oh okay but you are now in in america or in no but i interview a lot of american guests oh that's the reason okay <laughs> so i don't know what is a hectare in uh, your measurements yeah acres hectares it, it, i i completely yeah it's fine okay you know so we have like uh, 14 or 16 hectares of land which is like a medium-sized farm, you can say. And we try to grow as much as what, what we need by ourselves. We are not 100% self-sufficient. Self yeah. yeah, but not 100%. We have to buy still things. But some things we can cover, so it's all done by ourselves. It's organic. There are no pesticides. Um, it's done by hand. So the, 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 the farming is very loving, very natural, very organic. And then, of course, how we prepare what we eat it's done in a very conscious way because everything we eat is then offered on the altar to this murti, to this form of Krishna. Because actually all what we do should be done as a service to God and eating is a major part of life. So also this major part and this um, basic part of life should be done as an offering to God. And so everything what we do here should be like this, a service to Krishna, in service to Krishna. And then it becomes very conscious and very loving everything what we do. Beautiful. So in the, so when you call it a deity, it's, it's like a statue, if you may, in yeah. a, a statue that has been energized. Well, as you say, it's matter. Everything is energy. It's just a more solid form of energy with a lot of love put in it. And yeah. um, also when you talk about your farming, obviously it's vegetarian. Yes, of course. Yeah, no yeah meat. very good. Yeah, we're vegetarian. We don't eat uh, meat, uh, no fish, no eggs and um, some other things what we don't eat, but this is the major uh, restriction in our diet, yeah. But you do have dairy, so milk. We have dairy, we have also cows, we have eight cows. Uh, one of them only gives uh, milk, it's more or less, um, we protect the cows, so it's not necessary to take their milk, 
and also to make like a milk uh, production it's it's more complicated and we are not so far advanced but we have a neighbor here because this whole area is full with cows actually and our neighbor farmer um, we get the milk from him directly and I think is it called uh, is it called paneer the the paneer? Oh yeah, paneer is the cheese. The yes, <laughs> that's right. So yeah. I'm interested. I mean, I, I know I'm so sidestepping here, but why not the eggs? What's the symbolic um, of the eggs? Are also considered a form of uh, meat because from the egg it's uh, growing a, a chicken, and uh, so in that sense, also from Vedic point of view, it's. It's a little bit complicated, but Ayurveda is an example. Ayurveda yes. is like the, the, the um, health science of the Vedic scriptures. They explain also there are foods in different modes of nature, and you should eat only things which are in goodness, which are very, how to say, uh, the word is sattva guna and sattva, which are very good by itself. And so there are certain things which are not recommended because they're not good for the consciousness. And at the same time, they are also involving some violence and uh, eggs are considered to be a form of meat and are also not healthy from a Vedic point of view. Of course, the discussion could here go on, but, sure. um, but from our point of view, it's not healthy and it's not, um, not in goodness and it's a form of meat. Interesting. So just say I'm coming to your incredible village in Bavaria and I offer my services, what happens? So I arrive and then I say I can do some gardening. What then, what, what, what sort of, what's the routine of the day? Yeah, we have many guests here and um, um, who, who are traveling, coming through, some know more, some know, more, uh, know less about what we are doing here, but we receive everyone very openly. And, Any uh, religion? That sense any religion this yes. is not the, the problem yeah. of course we have certain rules here yeah. and this and that but if everyone knows what the basics no everyone can join yeah. and um yeah we have many things to offer what we can do of course in the garden on the, on the field in the kitchen cut vegetables help cooking help cleaning so we find some service for everyone and then we offer also the spiritual education that you can join in our program in our meditation in our lectures we have everyday lecture in the morning and the evening from these ancient scriptures, from Bhagavad Gita and other texts. They are discussed, they are presented, we can discuss. So we want to, actually the Hare Krishna movement is an educational institution and we want to share this ancient Vedic knowledge so that everyone can apply it in his own life. Of course, also meditation is there and, and, and a very nice association because people here are very, very nice, very open, very... Yeah, we're conscious and we are not perfect, of course. We have our mistakes and we're, we're human. Happen. We're, hu we're we human. human. <laughs> yeah, we're not uh, so like, uh, like this. But, uh, but in general, everyone feels very welcome and very happy here. And it's, I'm personally very happy to live here. And you mentioned before that I'm a monk. Actually, I, I was a monk. Okay. I'm now settling here, also find, founding a family and getting married and things like this. So it's a really... For, for living, it's for, for visiting, but also for, for living, and it's a wonderful community. Beautiful. So you're living there full-time? I'm living here full-time, yes. I'm traveling also, uh, more or less, I can say, about some bit of my time is investing also in traveling and visiting other temples, giving lectures. I'm a teacher in the movement. I have also my YouTube channel. I shall send you the, the link you asked for. Yes, details. for anyone that's listening, all your details will be in the show notes.
Yes, thank you so much for that. Yeah, so I'm, I want to, as you said, I'm passionate about this Vedic knowledge and lifestyle. I want to share this. And, um, but my base is here. Um, I'm sitting also here in my studio. And from here, I, I work. And at the same time, I can participate in the spiritual programs and have this nice uh, association. What a wonderful life. I want to ask you about you in a minute. But first, I've, I have done some Hare Krishna chanting before, and I love it. But I don't know about the meditation. When you meditate, is there a mantra when you're meditating? Uh, we, we use the same mantra, Hare Krishna okay. mantra. Okay. You can use in singing or also in recitation. And this recitation is done in, it's called Chapa meditation. Chapa means like when you just say to yourself, so you just recite the mantra silently for yourself and just listen to the sound vibration. You focus and um, it, it works. It works wonders more or less. I'm doing this since almost 20 years. And I can only say it's, it's amazing what happens if you see sincerely and seriously uh, do that. Yeah. You're very dedicated. So would you meditate morning and night generally? The main meditation is in the morning. We have like a, a time where we all do this together. It's not together, everyone's sitting and doing himself, but mm -hmm. this, uh, the main meditation time is from 5.15 to 7.15, like two hours. Yeah. Individual meditation in the temple room. Nice. But I can do it whenever I like because it's nice and it's, yeah, it's, it's a very important part of our life. And um, because it's, it's the Hare Krishna mantra, which probably many uh, know, um, it's not only a mantra because mantra means what delivers the mind. Manas, man is the mind, and tra comes from triate in Sanskrit, what delivers the mind. Ah, and I didn't know that. Delivers the mind. Okay. Exactly. It delivers the mind from all misconceptions and all that what is not part of our spiritual being. So when the mind is purified, the consciousness is purified through so this, our spiritual identity naturally comes uh, revealed, becomes revealed. And it said that the spiritual identity, the soul, has three aspects. Um, it's eternal, it's full of consciousness and full of bliss. And the consciousness and realization of these three aspects will happen the more we chant this mantra. We become aware of our eternality. We become free from fear because we know we are eternal. We have always been here. We will always be there, just in different incarnations. And mm -hmm. lastly, hopefully in a spiritual reality. We are full of consciousness and knowledge and wisdom and we are full of bliss. We are completely happy and there's no issue, no problem at all. But this has to become realized and mantra does that. And mantra is great actually because I generally do a silent meditation, but sometimes it's very hard because you have all that, you know, the clutter of everyday life in your head and a mantra, I guess, is a way to... Um, not focus on anything, but that, that beautiful, the, the beautiful words. Yeah, this is the recommendation given by the Vedic scriptures that in uh, our age, which is called Kali Yuga, the different ages, four mm -hmm. main ages actually, it's a long story, um, but uh, we live in a most materialistic age compared to the others. And uh, every age has a recommended process how to get self-realization. And in Kali Yuga, because of all our problems, and all our disturbances also in the mind, it's very difficult to do uh, meditation. So the mantra helps because your mind has a focus and it's actually very easy. So you achieve the same result, but in a much more easy and natural, uh, and maybe even a quicker, uh, 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 maybe even quicker. So this is the reason why the mantra and especially these names of Krishna are very much recommended because it's not only a meditation, it's more a prayer 
and Krishna is responding and helping also from his side that we become self-realized and uh, Krishna conscious. So it's not just a meditation where you have to alone work yourself through. It's a meditation, meditational prayer which um, calls for Krishna who also helps them. And so it's very easy to, to progress. Interesting. And my uh, thought just came to me uh sometimes some people i'm not, i don't know it's not necessarily the words but it's the energy behind it so are the words obviously Hare krishna is very important but it's not is it always the words that are important yeah this is of course a long topic but okay. <laughs> uh, it's, it's it's said from our point of view that there uh that krishna is the absolute entity the absolute person and everything um, connected to him or being him has the same nature. So Krishna, the entity, is perfect and absolute and purifying, but also his name is. So there are certain sound vibrations, even though being in the material world and being uttered by our material facilities, mm. but still have the same power as the entity which is uh, meant by the sound vibration itself this is the theory behind it and when we apply that we will realize that this sound vibration has some certain it, it has a certain power and it's not just the power behind it's even the sound vibration itself which is the power because it's actually not different from krishna himself the name of god and god himself are in that sense one this is what is explained. Yeah. yeah, you explained that very well because obviously everything's energy, so it's almost connecting with the vibration of that energy that is Krishna. Yeah, and through this connection, um, it's like uh, if you have an, an wire, if you plug it in, then um, the, the the wire itself becomes electricity. And or you, if you take sorry, yeah, if you take an iron rod and uh, which has and you end up in fire. So these are obviously two completely different things. But if you put this iron rod into the fire, it becomes uh, like fire. It becomes glowing. It becomes hot. And it's the same nature in that sense. So the sound vibration we've connected with Krishna has the same power. And we can experience that if you try this with some bona fide and real names of God or mantras. It's different than uh, saying Coca-Cola, 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 Coca-Cola. <laughs> As example, yeah? You will you become tired and become crazy if you say Coca Cola all day long, but if you say Hare Krishna all day long, you will feel a completely different effect. So, do you find yourself obviously, you know, as as you mentioned or I mentioned that we, you know, we're all human. We do have at times where we regress. If you're um, feeling a bit of conflict or not in a positive, high vibration state, will you chant the name Hare Krishna and you feel it sort of alleviates some of that lower yeah. vibration? Definitely. I must say, um, through this whole spiritual lifestyle, um, the problems or yeah, worries which I had before, are, the majority of it, it is already eradicated. Because the whole lifestyle, there is not so much uh, chance for conflict in one sense. But if it happens, of course, uh, we have to yeah, deal with it and be serious and see what is the reason and be humble. And very often the problem is because of our pride, our, our ego. So uh, one major part of our spiritual practice is to develop humility and gratefulness. 
and when we imbibe that, it's very easy to deal with the problems. And of course, if we then take shelter in this mantra and pray, then uh, the problems can be solved very nicely. I love that. I'm just writing that down. Take shelter in the mantra. That's that's beautiful. <laughs> um, obviously, I think I think I read on your website your mother thought you might be a pastor. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> So obviously, well, kind of in a, in a sort of, in a certain way, but you, you have touched on it, but, you know, talking about how, how happy you are and how humble you are, people are probably saying, well, I I wouldn't say I'm humble. I wouldn't say I'm humble. I'm working on become humble. Working on it. Very, very high. I would not say from myself, I'm humble. I'm actually opposite, but this is also part of spiritual life that we see where we have still um, to work on ourselves. And, um, uh, and uh, actually, an indication for humility is when we understand that we are not humble. <laughs> but yes. still, I wouldn't say that I'm humble. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I'm just thinking from an, you know, sort of a, an outside perspective, obviously, said your life has changed dramatically. You're a lot happier. You've lost a lot of the fear, realizing that, you know, there is a much higher consciousness what made you change? I mean, obviously, everyone wants, to, you know, fear is such an incredible prevalence within our society, particularly fear. Well, it had been for me for years. I'm not fearful anymore. I have changed as well. I've talked about this on the show. But, you know, how, what, what made you, what was the, the I don't know, if you, the element that made you lose your fear and helped you become, to live a happier life? Um, I was a student in 2001 i started to study and at the same time i was very interested in any spiritual and mystic knowledge and in that sense it's not not to my credit but i came in contact with the Hare krishna movement and i was very amazed especially by the books of srila Prabhupada, these ancient texts and i started reading them and believed in them also we have to have faith we have to have trust and the more I did that and applied that and chanted, the more I felt the saving grace. It's like that. And, in, and the, also the, um, uh, like a guidance, like a guidance through these misunderstandings I had about life. And the more I associated with the devotees and then obviously I joined the temple in 2001 in Vienna and started practicing that and, and it, it just worked. It's kind of, I wouldn't say automatic process. Of course, I have to be also involved myself, but still it's a lot of, uh, we cannot use any other word than mercy. Yeah, so it's not so much that I changed, I did this, I'm the, you know, the hero of my life. In one sense, I was very desperate for answers and somehow I get you know, the answers through Srila Prabhupada's knowledge and books and all that. And then when I applied this knowledge more and more, then I saw how it just worked. And we get kind of enlightened by spiritual knowledge and we see the dark sides of ourselves, and we will be um, courageous and brave enough to face them because we know that there is help and everything will be good and that I'm a spiritual being. But I have to face this dark side of myself. I have to visit the dark side of the moon that what I always want to hide and uh, never want to see and never want to show anyone also. And through the association, of course, and the spiritual master, we are, 
not wanting to hide anymore and we understand there's a difference between my bad attitudes and my tendencies and that what I don't like in myself and myself. I'm a spiritual being, I'm a soul, I'm a pure entity. And uh, when we understand this already, it's easier to face the problems because understand it's not really me. Something what I cultivated lifetime for lifetime and through my egoism and my attachments and we will be uh, empowered to really work seriously on ourselves and then layer of layer of these false identifications which are connected with fear and egoism and weirdness and whatever problems we have, <laughs> misunderstandings of life, it will fall off layer of layer of layer of layer and become more to the core of ourselves. So this would be a little I love that. I, I, when you were just saying that, I thought I was wondering whether Hare Krishna found you or you found Hare Krishna. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so, I would say Krishna found me. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So is that is that in the teachings about? Uh, and I have to say, I haven't dived very deep into it, and I certainly believe what you're saying. But you know, shedding layers of whether it's past incarnations of fear and. Lack of self worth and all those sort of negative emotions and our personality that we've come with and our ego to remove all of that is that part? Yeah. Yes, definitely. Everything what doesn't belong to our pure being and consciousness um, has to leave more or less. But it's not that we in the end are are nothing, or in the end we are impersonal. We just become the best what we can be because that's what we are. And in the end, the shining, pure, transcendental personality, and I pronounce the word personality, will get revealed because we are personalities, we are persons. Personality is nothing material. It's actually what we experience now in personality is just a reflection, a material version of the pure, original spiritual personality, what we are. Yeah, I agree. Based on our environment or previous incarnations, I completely agree with it. Um, oh, I've got a few questions and I just forgot what I was going to say. Um, the, so how, you know, it just came to me if someone, how, how do you tell the difference whether your soul's talking or your soul or your consciousness or your pure essence is talking or your ego's talking? How do you tell the difference? That's a good question. Um, of course, in our state where we are right now, it's everything kind of mixed up and messed up. Um, but the more our consciousness is purified through so spiritual lifestyle, we can kind of feel or be conscious of what is our better self, so to say, and where we are motivated by lower tendencies. And we, yeah, we will learn to differentiate. We will understand that there are different, um, it's like this, the soul is in the center of the heart. And an aspect or a symptom of the soul, an emanation of the soul is consciousness. Consciousness itself is spiritual. And it shines more or less through all the layers of our being. And we have two major material parts of being. One is the gross, the physical body, mm -hmm. and the other is the subtle body, where we have the mind, the emotions, um, the intelligence, the ego, and all that. So the consciousness shines through all layers of our being, and depending where our priorities, we will be very conscious of this aspect of ourself 
and according to this, um, have a certain worldview and what is important for us and what is our purpose of life. So if I'm very conscious of my physical body and identify, identify more or less just like that, then the essential experience is for me the purpose of life and most important. So then, the, then as such a person will be very materialistic because he only knows what is nice for the senses and this is my purpose. But if you become more subtle, so spiritual life, you become more subtle and you have more awareness of the subtle aspects of your identity, you see also the subtle sides like the emotions and intelligence and this and this. And it becomes even more subtle that in the end you perceive only your spiritual identity and you see the others as just being used. You kind of see the duality of what you are and what, where you are incarnated. So this is one point that according to the consciousness, we have certain worldviews. Um, and through this, we can differentiate and also between what we want and what actually is kind of an imposition. It's an, it's an urge which is cultivated lifetime for lifetime. We have certain urges and uh, here comes in the lust and the greed and the envy and all these tendencies. And when we can differentiate between this and our self, then we understand it's not me. It's not I am that I am envious or I am greedy or I am angry. It's just their uh, emotions and they come in the end all from the ego, egoism, from the ego. Because I want to control, I want to be the Lord, I want actually to be God. In one sense, I want to be God. These are all God programs we have. And this is the reason why we're in the material world, because we are rivals of the supreme entity. And as also, in, uh, as it said, your will shall be done, not mine. This is actually a very nice saying which, which uh, encapsulates all the philosophy. As long as we think my will shall be done always in all situations, um, this is when our false ego actually takes over. And we have to differentiate. We have to, in that sense, understand also the ideal. What is the ideal way of thinking and living? And we have to see what is the real. Where am I? And the more I see that and understand that, the more I can see where, where I'm on the right track and where's more or less my right self or spiritual side acting or thinking and where it's more ego motivated. So this is in one sense more intellectualized in one sense. But the more we practice this, we can kind of see and feel and experience where am I, where's the right motivation from the spiritual aspect and where is it still from my material aspect. So it's, a, a self -real, it's really in self-realization. We realize ourselves, but for, in order to realize ourselves, we have to realize a lot what is not the self. Because right now, that what we realized or what we are, um, we are conscious of, many, many, many things is not the real self. So this is called Maya in Sanskrit, illusion. Uh, because the Maya identifies with us with that what we are not. And this Maya is an illusion, it's very tricky, it's very powerful, because we really think that we are this body, this material identity, and act according to it. So the illusion has to be um, understood and overcome. And in order to overcome that, we have to understand that it is an illusion. It will not go away in the first, but it just reveals, oh, it's an illusion. I am not the body. I am not this mind. I am not that what I'm thinking, what I am. I'm a spiritual being, aham brahmasmi, it's said in the Vedic scriptures. And there again comes the spiritual practice and the mantra and all that, what empowers us, helps us, and makes our consciousness more and more subtle to distinguish between our real self and our non-real self.
You explained that really, really well. And, you know, uh, you know, I, I think the same, everything is, is a hologram. And, you know, you mentioned before, you know, certain lives we have envy or we have greed. And sometimes they are lessons that we have come to learn in, in, in a lifetime and hopefully to overcome them. Or unfortunately, we might have to have another lifetime learning that similar lesson if we don't learn it. Everyone has their own journey. I mean, not anyone's better or anyone's worse, but everyone is on a different level of evolution. And yeah. so your way of life, which I think is beautiful, someone else might think, well, you know, I, I don't want that. I want to, you know, work hard and become rich. And, you know, that's my focus. And they're just on a very different path. Not one's better or one's worse. It's just your soul's evolutionary state. Exactly. The, the soul is traveling through this universe in different incarnations. And, but in the end, um, the Vedic scripture, Bhagavad Gita, is very blunt. Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita is very direct. And he says... I love that. I love direct. <laughs> yeah, he said, all places in this material world, from the highest to the lowest, are all places of misery because repeated births and deaths take place. And this is like the major, the first step, what we have to understand. There's a material reality and there's a spiritual reality. We are spiritual beings right now in the material reality, but this is not our home. This is not our natural position. The spiritual being belongs to us in a spiritual reality where all our desires are really fulfilled and they're permanent and there is truth. The material world is kind of a reflection of the spiritual reality. And as long as we don't understand that and don't accept that, we wander from life to life to life, actually always searching for this ideal situation, which is not in the material, but in the spiritual world. So we have to understand that the material life itself will never, never, never make us completely happy. It doesn't matter how rich, how beautiful, how strong, how influential I am. This is, will never satisfy us. And as long as we attach to this false understanding of happiness, we stay in the material world until we get the point and understand actually there's something else where I should turn and search for happiness. That was my next question and you just answered it. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was great. It's so true. I mean, people, you know, wait for a holiday or wait for, you know, the, the end of the day or wait for some sort of announcement to be happy when, you know, the freedom and happiness is available to them right now. Yeah. Um, this is actually the, the whole point huh? because many people argue and, uh, um, and think and discuss what is the purpose of life and this ancient question and some have this answer some have that answer and some say there is no answer but it's very simple the purpose of life is to be happy everyone wants to be happy no yes. one wants to suffer everyone wants to be happy but we have to just know the art we have to know how it works and you mentioned before someone wants to work and be rich and all that actually this is not the problem it's not about renunciation it's not that you i live like 17 years as a monk very, very simple, no money, no, like really simple. Um, and it's very good. It was, it was really, really good and helpful and amazing. And all what I can do now and will do now is actually based on this training. But it's not about renunciation. It's about understanding how to use life in a spiritual way. And so we can become rich and all that. But if you know that we should do it as a service, 
in the end for a high purpose, not for ourselves. Not for an outcome as well. Do, do something because you love it. And I talk about that. You're, you know, do something because it inspires you and it does, it's, it does service to others and you're passionate about it, but not necessarily for an outcome. Yeah, not for an outcome and not for, especially not for an outcome for myself. Yes. You can do it for an outcome also. If you know, I want to work now and I like this work, but at the same time, money should be there too. Uh, but what will I use the money for? If it's only for me to build my big house and a new car and this and this and this, this is uh, then the work itself will be also very, how to say, the consciousness in the work will be very limited because it's just for myself. But, but if it's done for a higher purpose, then it's better. Of course, if we can do the work itself for a higher purpose, not just the fruit of the work, the money, then it's even better. So there are different ways how to approach life in the material world. And um, renunciation happens through consciousness. And then we will see really what is important. Then we will do the right thing. Hmm. Uh, look, there's nothing wrong with money. We live in a material world and, you know, we have to feed our children and do all those things. I think money is wonderful, but it reminds me of speaking to my website designer. I'm designing my website and I'm commercializing the website. And he, you know, was saying, you know, how much are you going to charge for this? And, and I said, I, I'm selling, I'm selling an energy. I'm not selling a product. And that's what I always remind myself. It's all about the intention behind it. We also, in our tradition, we don't say money. We say Lakshmi. Oh, what does that mean? Lakshmi is the, is the energy of God, actually. And it's also uh, Lakshmi Devi is the female aspect of God also. So we understand that Lakshmi should be used in the service of, of God, of Krishna. Yeah, so we have a connection between this energy and the source of the energy. That actually money or Lakshmi does not belong to me. It's not for my service. It's actually for God's service. So in that sense, money is wonderful and great and we should have a lot if we know how to approach it and use it. Yeah, I agree. And I just want to quickly go back to when you said when people say, uh, I'll be happy. So be as if it's a, it's a future tense when they should really be happy now. Yeah, we should be happy now, but very often we cannot because we have not the freedom of mind and mm. just certain things which disturb it. So uh, we should take this serious. We should, we can maybe kind of self-hypnotize ourselves. No, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy. But we really should understand, okay, if it's, if it's not working out, what is really the problem? We have to go to the source of the problem. Let's go to the root of the problem. We have to face it. And as I said before, the main root and this is of course tricky and then it's a lifetime of work is the or maybe many lifetimes <laughs> many, yeah, exactly yeah actually it's many lifetimes is this misunderstanding of thinking that i am in this material world to become happy and to enjoy but we should understand the soul what we are is actually um only becoming happy because uh, when it lives love and love is not egoistic Love is selfless and um, the object of my love should be happy and then I'm happy. So actually our life in this world should be as a service to the Supreme and then we will be happy because, uh, yeah, then, 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 this, then it's natural. This is the natural lifestyle of the soul to love and love is expressed to selfless service. 
Beautiful. Yes, everything's a reflection of what you of what happens inside. The outside is a reflection. I agree. In the essence of time, what, what is there anything you'd like to speak to the audience about? Um, there are many, many things. Um, <laughs> I, I can just say um, if some of uh, your viewers um, are interested in the Hare Krishna movement. Um, just check it out, get in touch with people, read some books, chant a mantra. It's um, very, we really talk just 45 minutes, but I think some could see it's, it's very deep also. It goes mm. to the root and uh, it's a very, very amazing and wonderful lifestyle, which helps us uh, quickly a lot. And I could experience that and I'm still working on it and it's never getting boring. Like Bhagavad Gita, this book I'm reading since I read it so often. It's always staying fresh and interesting. The mantra I'm reciting since such a long time. Not such a long time. Time is relative, of course. But so this That's another podcast <laughs> about time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, this mantra is uh, wonderful. It's always fresh. And why is it always fresh? Why is it always giving satisfaction, help? Because it's it's uh, substantial there's substance behind it it's not like the material things which are flowing and changing and never staying as uh, as they are um there is an eternality inside this whole lifestyle where we can take refuge as you like the expression taking shelter we can really take shelter in this whole spirituality and and we feel sheltered we feel protected we feel guided and uh, we come close to our happiness and uh, fulfillment which is in the end Krishna. And I said, Krishna is not just an energy, it's actually an energetic person. And person involves then also love and uh, gratitude and all wonderful qualities. It's not an impersonal thing. It's the actual energetic, absolute person, which is full of love and where we can enter in a wonderful loving relationship, which we are actually searching right now all the time. Wonderful. What a beautiful note to end on, Ananda. Thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to speak something about Vedic knowledge and Krishna. And yeah. I hope to see you in Germany in the near future at your village. Yeah, whenever you come to Germany, visit us. I will. Um, We have a guest house here also. It's not only ashram and like monastery style. We have a nice, beautiful, small guest house, nice rooms. Um, the landscape is really beautiful here. And um, yeah, we can make spiritual tourism and visit beautiful. us. Thank you so much. Bye for now. Okay. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. That is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening. And please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends, and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate.